1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show on a soggy Friday afternoon. Cloudy, rainy the deal, 45 the high. More showers likely tonight, low 36. We'll swap all that out for sunshine tomorrow. Good part of the day. High of 47 and Sunday. Gorgeous with a lot of sunshine and a high of 58. Flyers 1 4 1 last night. Carter Hart 28 saves. Four different Flyers scoring, including Sean Couturier, number 22 on the year for him. That's eight wins in a row for the Flyers. They're tied for first in the Metropolitan Division with Washington. They're home tomorrow against Buffalo at seven. Sixers also victorious yesterday, 125-108 over Sacramento. Tobias Harris, 28. Shake Milton, 20. They're at Golden State tomorrow night at 8.30. And the Phillies won yesterday, 5-3 against Toronto in spring training action. And they're about to do the same thing. They're beating Detroit, I think, 9-0 in the ninth inning. Yeah, so there's a lot of winning going on around around here. And, uh, Danny, how are you doing today? You good? I'm
3: doing good. It's fr- Happy Friday. Happy
2: Friday. There was even more winning yesterday when you consider the guys beat the gals 14-11 in Trivia Thursday.
3: I know, it's heartbreaking.
2: I thought it was worth bringing up since those listening at the beginning of the show might have had to tune out before the whole thing was over. And it was a nail-biter for part of the time.
3: It really was.
2: You know? And because I know you're competitive. Yes. And because I know you want to relive it.
3: Oh, thank you.
2: I have a couple of just just a kind of little breakdown. Because our listeners really are are the stars in many ways,
3: mm-hmm. okay?
2: So yesterday, we started off the show, the inaugural Trivia Thursday, first Thursday of the month, Guys Against the Gals, with a, a three-point question that there are 195 countries in the world, and three begin with the letter R. And when we were talking about this in my office before the show, you were talking about pressure or something.
3: Yeah, I said you know, I could probably think about it and answer them, but the fact that you were staring at me, there was a lot of pressure, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not good under pressure. If you're ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, do not call me as your phone a friend, because I will not be able to answer in 60 seconds, because I will clam up.
2: Well, you, you, you were able to answer the questions we were kind of going through, at least one of the three, and as I said yesterday, it's easy when you have the answers in front of you. Right. So- as long as you – well, I'll get back to this in a second. As you bring up the millionaire thing, there's actually somebody who used to work in this very radio station mm-hmm. who won a quarter million dollars. Really? On Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Wow. He's a friend of mine. His name is Neil, and he was a fellow DJ, and he qualified. Back in the day, I think you could call at certain times, and if you were really good with your trivia answering or something, you could potentially qualify. He qualified, and he won a quarter million dollars.
3: Wow. And they quit
2: DJing. Didn't need to didn't need to do it anymore. Still very good at it, but didn't need to do it anymore. Yeah, sure. So yeah. Anyhow, um, but the letter R. So the answers were Rwanda, Romania, and Russia. Mm-hmm. And the guys got all three. Paul and Philly was first. Got the guys out of the shoot with two points, and then Mike and Warrington got one. Rwanda, from our little cheat sheet that you so kindly put together, is yeah. also known as the land of a thousand hills, because most of the country is covered in rolling grassy hills. Who knew? Well, you did because you researched it. <laughs> and that, when I read that, I thought it reminds me of a, a verse people quote a lot in the Bible about the fact that God really owns everything. Psalm 50, verse 10 says, for every animal, of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. And that thousand hills line lined up with uh, what you wrote down about Rwanda, that it's known as the land of a thousand hills. So in any case, three zero for the guys. Then we had Cindy and Skipak call in and Karen and Robin and Gilbertsville. They tied it up at three with the three countries that begin with J, Jamaica, Japan, and Jordan. Then we had the three Fs for France and Finland, which Jim and Philly got to put the guys up 5-3. And then Crystal got Fiji as the third F to make it a close game. It was 5-4, to four, so everyone's biting their nails. And then what happens? Then Bruce and Philly calls in.
3: I know. Bruce just was such a show-off yesterday.
2: He nailed all six of the Tonight Show hosts. We mentioned that there have been six, and he calmly and coolly, unlike you said you would be under this pressure, right? rattled them all off. He was at our China Garden party a couple of weeks ago. We, uh-huh. we actually, I, That was such a busy day, I didn't eat till the end. Wow. And he came in, he was like the last person in. So we actually ate together. It was very nice. How sweet. Yeah, it was fun. So when he called in, he works in Philly. And uh anyhow, so he put the guys up eleven to four. And then Anita and Drexel Hill got the girls within four, it was eleven to seven, because we did eight Ivy League schools. We had to call some Stephen Percy. Tony called in, and uh Sharon working on her doctorate, I think, at St. Joe's. Nailed the last two. So at at near the end of the whole program, it was fourteen to nine. Guys are up. Right. And I just I want I want this to be on the record, and for the podcast, okay? (laughs) That at that point, at like Mm 4.57, I could have stalled.
3: Yeah, you could have.
2: I could have ran out the clock. But instead, you know, ask a one-point question. Instead, I asked an eight-point question to give the ladies a chance.
3: Yes, as you should.
2: Well, that's up for debate. But (laughs) we went back to geography and said there are eight countries that begin with the letter I. And uh, I think it was... uh, I forgot who called in at the end. Sheila? I forget her name. But she called in and got two, and then she ran out of steam. Yep. So we wound up with a few seconds left, but just did not have enough time. And uh, guys won fourteen eleven 11 in that inaugural edition of Trivia Thursday. So that's the recap. The exciting. We'll get them next time, girls. Recap. Way to go, guys. I, I mean, good game, everyone. <laughs> Let's just shake hands. Speaking of all that stuff. Uh, We do have a couple of very special guests this hour. We have a gentleman named Harry Lennox. He uh, has been in a lot of things. He's probably most known for his uh, co-star status in The Blacklist, which is on NBC. Um, He has been in some of the Matrix movies. He's been in some of the uh, uh, Justice League stuff. And he actually is now the writer and producer and co-star of a new movie called Revival. So we're going to talk with him about that. And also Marcus Hayes, who has been in Philadelphia for many years as a sports writer for The Inquirer and covered pretty much every team and all kinds of other stuff beyond that, the Olympics and stuff. He's written a couple of columns this week that are pretty interesting about the Flyers who have now won eight in a row. And uh, maybe you can smell another possible parade in this town. I don't think anybody would mind that. So that's coming up soon. We'll mix in a song or two for fun. And we also need to do some giveaways this hour kind of as a little thin crust behind all this, if you want to text in at any point this hour uh, for a chance to win a gift card to Duncan or to Panera or Readers or Wawa, here's our text line. 610 500 Dove 610 500 3683 And we'll draw some winners out throughout the hour. Just, uh, you know, first and last name if you wouldn't where you're from. You know, Joe Schmo from Glenside. Whatever it might be. And we'll make some winners. 610-500-3683. Text in and we'd like to make some winners throughout the hour. Back with more of the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com and on the
1: WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL and at WFIL.com.
2: 413, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Before we fully leave the Trivia Thursday portion, I was referring to two lists. If you were just tuning in, you might be wondering, like, what was the answer to that anyway? The six hosts of The Tonight Show, in order, Steve Allen, Jack Parr, Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien, briefly, and Jimmy Fallon, the current host. And the eight Ivy League schools we refer to, Brown, Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, University of Penn, Princeton, and Yale. I know that when I'm listening, sometimes I hear somebody say something. I'm like, well, well, what was that anyway? And then they never get back to it. Also, two other quick items of business. Danny, before I forget, thank you for all the work you put in yesterday. That was good.
3: Thank you. It helped
2: make Trivia Thursday fun.
3: How impressed were you, by the way, that I knew all of the Tonight Show hosts?
2: That was, you know what? That was very good. Thank you. Because all the other questions you were like, oh, uh, I think I got it. And we got one and. But you rattle off the Tonight Show hosts really quick. Why I is, know. Why is, you know those? Well,
3: I did in college, I did a senior thesis on all late night show hosts. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: So you were well familiar.
3: Yeah, I talked about media representation in terms of late night talk shows. Yeah. So I am very well versed in all of late night
2: who talk show hosts. Who would have known? I know. But yeah, it was impressive actually in our little show prep time. <laughs> that was great. And I also want to thank Anne who works really hard in our marketing department Uh, And she, among other things, helps out with all the surveys that we do on our website, right? Yeah. And I want to point people to this because it's A, fun, and B, often you can win a prize or something. Not everyone, but a lot of times. So there's a question up there right now. We'd love to get your input on this. Okay. If WFIL could provide a way for you to improve your home or property, which of the following would you do first? And so far in the lead, uh, 38%, kind of by far. Remodel the kitchen, mm. top of the pile. Uh, let's see, a distance second, 15% plus, remodel another room. So the whole remodel thing is pretty popular. Yeah. And then uh, painting the exterior, interior, and fixing the gutters or roof come next. There are other, uh, and uh, actually getting a new air conditioner heating. That's close too. So those are all up there and some other choices. We'd love your input on that and other surveys that we have going. It's a great way for us to get to know you, for you to get to know us. We'd like to report how the, that voting's going as well. So uh, thanks to Ann for that. And do yourself a favor when you get a chance. A lot of fun stuff at WFIL.com, including our rewards club where you can win free stuff. Two new trips went up yesterday. One's to Atlanta to see the uh, March Madness NCAA uh, deal, a college championship. And also there's a trip to Virginia to Kings Dominion, which is a really great amusement park. And the band Sidewalk Profits playing there. And so there are also a lot of things where you can do bonus entries and you can some of the contests you can enter every day. So help yourself to all that info, all that fun, interactivity at wfil.com. Uh, as we continue our program today, very glad to bring on and I, I love doing this every now and again, we well as much as we can, but bringing people on who you know know what they're doing in different walks of life. And our, our first guest here definitely qualifies for that. His name is Marcus Hayes. He has written for the Philadelphia Inquirer for a lot of years. He's covered the uh, you know, Eagles and Phillies and Flyers and Sixers and done the Olympics and a bunch of other things, too. And he's written a couple of articles recently just on the uh, on the Flyers and, and Sixers specifically. Marcus, how you doing, man?
4: I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me again.
2: Absolutely. Always a pleasure. How about them Flyers? What's going on? What in the world?
4: I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I was there, what was it, two, two and a half weeks ago when they beat up Washington in Washington. And then I was there again on Wednesday. And they're, they're, this is not a mirage. This is a really good team. It's a team with really, really good depth. Its third and fourth line are as good as their second and third lines from the last couple of years. It's getting very good goaltending both from Carter Hart and from Brian Elliott, who was outstanding in Washington on Wednesday. And, of course, Carter Hart held them to, to one goal on Thursday. The uh, – <clears throat> excuse me it's the Carolina hurricane when they came in. So it's a, it's a real team. It's well coached. It's really, really well conditioned and it's down three significant players. James Van Rienzak, obviously going to be out for a month and a half with a broken finger, but also Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick, two young players that they thought would be sort of uh, foundational players going forward. Oscar with his cancer issues and Nolan Patrick with his migraine. So, the depth on this team is, is really astounding. The fact that they've bought into Alain Vigneault's philosophies and conditioning and accountability. They're in a really good place, not just for now, but probably for several years to come.
2: You know, you mentioned several things uh, in your opening uh, comments there. One of them, the fact that I think in, in the eight wins now that they have in a row, right, you know, unbeaten now, I think is uh, they have four goals in every game or more and it's very routine for them to have them score by four or five different people. It's not like one guy's getting three or two and everybody else. They're all really contributing to it, which, which is hard to stop.
4: It really is. I mean, obviously their first line can skate with anyone's first line. With Sean Couturier in the middle between um, Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux, probably the most underappreciated superstar we've had in town in history. But it's more than that. It's that Scott Lawton, for example, is stepping into his into his own, he's, you know, they've got a lot of first-round picks who haven't played a, to their level to this point. I mean, Sean Couturier should be getting MVP consideration for the balance of his game. He's probably the best, if not the best, one of the two or three best two-way forwards in the game, and he's, you know, essentially the on-ice captain of a team that's the hottest team in hockey right now. And I say on-ice captain because he centers the line of Claude Giroux, who is the captain, and Jake Borchuk, who's an assistant. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting interesting team. It's an interesting time for the Flyers who, you know, the arrow sort of points up for them the way that it doesn't point up for any other team in town right
2: now. You have a couple columns, uh, the most recent ones you've done, for the Inquirer that talk about the Flyers. Uh, A couple columns back it actually talked about this team is, you know, hey, Wasn't there a team like this not that long ago, the 2010 team that went pretty far?
4: (laughs) Absolutely. It reminds me a lot of that 2010 team in both the way that it plays, you know, from, you know, the first man to the 25th man, but also the way it's constructed, except for the goaltender situation. I mean, Carter Hart is probably a more pedigree goalie than anybody in 2010 and younger and better, but, more so than that, you know, the addition of Kevin Hayes, the second-line center, is probably as significant as the addition of Chris Pronger in 2010. But number one, they're both big people. Right. They're big, strong players. In their in pri- I know Chris Pronger was 34, 35 at the time, but he was still in his prime. He was, he was a very, very good player. Big, strong, strong on the puck, patient with the puck. You know, you watch Kevin Hayes deal with the puck, it's a lot like Katurian, it's a lot like Chris Pronger. Big, strong guys who are confident and strong with the puck. So that's one comparison for me. The other comparison is you're getting this play all the way through the line. The 2010 team was stocked with stars. You know, lots of all stars. Danny Breer, Simone Gagne, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, Pronger. This team is stocked with faded stars or fading stars, and J- Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux, but also ascending stars. I mean, Couturier, again. I think he's an excellent player. Travis Connectney is an all star. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels personnel wise and a lot of parallels attitude wise. And the really crazy thing is at the beginning of the 2010 season, well, that's not true. About, I'd say about a quarter of the way through, they fired John Stevens and hired Peter LaViolette. Yep. An accomplished, you know, playoff hardened, hard nosed coach. At the beginning of this season, they replaced last year's coaches, Dave Haxtall, Last year, Scott Gordon. Yeah. They replaced last year's coaches with Elaine Vigneault, another guy who's you know got playoff success, took the range of the playoffs four out of five years, and made the Stanley Cup Finals the first year. The similarities are, are striking, so it should remind people of the Flyers of old. And considering who they've beaten recently, the Caps twice, Columbus twice, Colorado, uh, Boston. This this team should be considered a team that could carry itself deep into May and June.
2: Marcus Hayes is our guest. He's a columnist, longtime Philly sports writer. He's at Inquirer.com. And the more recent, I guess, the article you did on the on the Flyers from yesterday, you talk about their head coach a little bit more and the personality he brings. At one point, he looked like a Southern Baptist preacher who'd had been had five cups of coffee before his eleven a.m. sermon and just uh, a <laughs> The looseness, you know, the serious, energetic, but not too tight or over the top serious. And talk about that personality you've seen, and how important it is to have Olien Bignot do, you know, lead that way.
4: Well, Wednesday for me was the biggest game of the year, not just because it was on the road where they struggled, and not just because it was against the Capitals, who whom who, they were three points behind. It could be, you know, a big swing. They could get within, uh, they could get to within a point. And then the next night they could tie them if they, they won in the Capitals uh, tied which is, or went to overtime, which is what happened. But it was a big game because this was the first game that was really a big game. You know, this was the first game that was like, okay, are we for real? And that was, that was embraced by the Flyers. Usually teams are like, oh, no, it's just another game. Oh, no, we're going to take it one game at a time. No, this was a, this was a big game for them. Everybody practiced hard the day before in Philadelphia. I think Jake Borchuk was one of the last guys off the ice, which is like, you know, Joel Embiid running extra wind sprints, you know. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, and Elaine Vignot, who's usually very cool, very calm, you know, kind of uh, glib. He was not glib. He was excited. He was amped up. He was hyped. He was not interested. He, he cracked a joke or two. But, he you know, he had to find out on Wednesday – what he had, and what he found out is these guys are ready for prime time, and that should make Philadelphia Flyers fans very happy because they're going to face similar games down the stretch for seeding, for, you know, heaven forbid they slip a little bit because they're not that far from being out of the playoffs. So that's how tight the the Eastern Conference is and the Metropolitan Division. is, but they responded to a big game in a big way, and that is just... That's a benchmark that we really haven't seen in Philadelphia in a long, long time.
2: Marcus Hayes is our guest, longtime Philadelphia sports writer for The Inquirer. You can catch his work at Inquirer.com. Uh, we'll take a quick break, keep our chat going, talk a little Sixers as well. Danny, before we do that, we mentioned at the top of the show, we're giving away gift cards to Duncan yes. and Rita's and Wawa and Panera and all that, courtesy of Briner Chevrolet and Jenketown. You have a
3: winner or two yet? Yeah, we have Terry from Warminster and Chrissy from Prospect
2: Park. Very good. Congratulations to Terry and Chrissy. If you want to jump on the line, 610-500-DOVE, text in your name and where you're from, and we'll pull out of the gift card stash that we have. Nothing crazy, just something simple, $5.60, in keeping with our frequency, enough for you to get a hoagie or a couple coffees and a donut, that kind of thing, as a thank you for listening. We'll make a number of winners throughout the program. Text in when you have a second, 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683, back with Marcus Hayes in just a moment. Also, Harry Lennox, of the Blacklist and a bunch of other cool things he's been involved with over his lifetime. he is in a movie called Revival that he helped uh, direct and he co-stars. We'll chat with Harry Lennox a little bit later on in this hour. It's Tim DeMoss Show,
1: WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: It's 429, the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Once again, if you want to text in 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683 to win a gift card to any number of folks we do that with. Danny, do you want to check the text line? See if we have maybe another winner or two we can, and then we'll we'll keep our conversation going. All right. I know it's a lot of work to look at the phone,
3: but- Let's see. I have confidence you can do it. Thank you. We have Anthony from Yeedon. Nice job, Anthony. And, and we have yaden. Karen from Yaden too
2: I think it's yaden yaden you're like yaden
3: all right I like, believe you like
2: yay yeah, they won from Yaden two yadeners two yadeners wow that's nice nice work by them so if you want to join them 610 500 dove 610 536 83 just text your first and last name and where you're from we have a batch of gift cards we' will we like making winners, especially Friday. It seems like a, the most appropriate day to do that. Forecast, cloudy, rainy, 45 to high. More showers tonight, low 36. A lot of sun tomorrow, though, 47 the high, and then warming up near 58 on Sunday with a good deal of sunshine. Uh, Flyers won 4-1 to one over Carolina last night. Carter Hart, 28 saves there. Four different Flyers scoring, including Sean Couturier, number 22. That's eight wins in a row now for the Flyers. They're tied for first in the Metropolitan Division with Washington. They're home tomorrow night against Buffalo at 7. Uh, Sixers won, won 125-108 over Sacramento. Tobias Harris, 28, and uh, Shake Milton with 20. Love that name, Shake Milton. And they're at Golden State tomorrow night at 8.30. Phillies won yesterday 5-3 against uh, Toronto in spring training action. And then they also played this afternoon and uh, took on Detroit. And uh, I think they beat They wound up beating them. It was 9-0 in the ninth inning. So pretty sure they won that game too. Uh, All that said, our guest now at the moment is – Marcus Hayes, longtime Philadelphia sports writer, is at inquire.com, where you can find his stuff. And he's written on these teams. Uh, Before the break, you were actually mentioning Joel Embiid and wanted to chat a little Sixers with you before you head off into the weekend. They've had a good season kind of overall, but had their challenges, had some injuries. Do you think they can regroup and kind of get in a groove and go somewhere in the playoffs this year?
4: Absolutely. I mean, nobody in the NBA, especially in the East, is all that good. People forget that the... The Sixers beat the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas Day. They right. beat them badly. Right. So, if Ben Simmons comes back with a week or two to play in the regular season, if Joel Embiid is okay after this West Coast trip, they're you know they're in a fine position to make a run. You know, win a a series or two or even three. This is a good team. This is a deep team. I mean, one of the blessings that happens quite frequently in the uh, in the NHL and the NBA, especially, is. You have to incorporate lesser players or elevate the roles of the lesser players at the drop of a hat. So we've seen Shake Milton sort of take over, if not the backup point guard spot, the starting point guard spot. There's no reason Shake Milton can't start alongside Ben Simmons when he comes back. We've seen Al Horford come out of his, I don't know what, three and a half month long pout swamp. We've seen Glenn <laughs> Robinson explode in a game in, in Los Angeles against the uh, against the lakers so i mean they're a real team they're a talented team they're probably deeper than we've been given a chance to to plumb and one of the things that we keep forgetting is not only are joel Embiid and ben simmons very young but this team keeps getting reconstructed they added two significant pieces alex burks and glenn robinson the third at the deadline a year after adding tobias harris at the deadline a a few months after adding Jimmy Butler to begin the season. Right. And, you know, the season before that, they added Ursana Lea Silva and Marco Bellinelli at the deadline. So Brett Brown keeps having to incorporate significant players, top eight rotation players, on the fly, with very, very little time to gel. Most really good teams have those rotations established by New Year's Day. And Brett Brown has never been given that luxury. He's never been given that stability mainly because his general managers have been atrocious. You know, all three general managers he's had and I don't say I think he wasn't around for any sort of fruition of quote-unquote the process, but his general managers have given him flawed teams to begin with and then scrambled to fix it later on. So, it'll be interesting to see how they how what they are, you know, at the end of at the beginning of April, middle of April compared to what they are right now.
2: Chat with Marcus Hayes, uh, philly.com is where you can read them and uh, you can uh, inquire.com and, and uh, the columns on the Philly. You know, we well, do all the sports, really. But most recently, some on the uh, Flyers, some on the Sixers. Just one last question for you, too, along those lines. You know, we talked about Alain Vigneault with the Flyers head coach and uh, Brett Brown. And you were kind of talking about that a little bit. What's your take? A, lot, a lot's been said about Brett Brown as a head coach. And. Some of what you're talking about, all these moving parts in and out and trades and everything, some of that's, I guess, you say, well, you just got to do it because it's your job. But some of it, it, it's just like a player losing, a team losing its best player. Yeah, next man up. But still, next man up is not the player you lost. So, what's your, what do you, you think? Brett Brown has it in him to help in the in the end when the dust settles to regroup everybody and and really help them grow this year and and beyond. Or do you think that some of the criticism's been been warranted?
4: These are the criticisms that are warranted against Brett Brown. Number one, he was never enough of a disciplinarian, especially with his premier players, whether it was Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Nerlens Noel, Jimmy Butler, any of them. He, he did not react to their insubordination properly. Um, the, the second criticism is we have to understand that Brett Brown is a relatively young coach when it comes to NBA head coaching standards. He's been to the playoffs twice. He did better the second time than he did the first time, which I think is a, he's a 56-year-old, 57-year-old man, but he's not a very old coach when it comes to being a head coach in the NBA. Right. And so to, to that to that point, he hasn't been great in the playoffs, matching up, making adjustments. He hasn't been as good as, his, uh, as some of his peers. And we also have to understand Brett Brown wasn't a head college coach like Brad Stevens was. He didn't have to do the things that a lot of head coaches have to do, and he hadn't in 15 or 16 years. Those are the those are the viable criticisms against Brett Brown. Brett Brown is a spectacular developer of young talent. He's an innovative coach. His dead ball stuff is excellent. His uh, management of the game in general is very, very good. He, Considering who he has to work with, a point guard that shouldn't be playing point guard and a center who's out of shape, Um, And the the types of basketball he's had to coach, the adjustments he had to make over the last three years, it's really been fun to watch. I know basketball. I I know basketball. And watching him coach different types of players, different styles, you know, he's a wonderful coach. That said, he needs to probably get to the Eastern Conference Finals if his two young stars are healthy, or even if they're not. I think there's some Brett Brown fatigue. It's been seven years. He's really the last lingering vestige of the process. Because Joel Embiid never played when Sam Hickey was here. So right. once he's gone, which I expect to happen, and I don't think it would be right, but it might be healthy for all, all concerned, once he's gone, the process is kind of over. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I don't know if people aren't ready for that. I don't know if it wouldn't be a great PR move to say, okay, let's hit the reset button and see what we have going forward
2: it's a lot of good stuff and folks can read you on uh, inquire.com longtime philly sports writer marcus hayes he's covered pretty much everything and the columns we've been chatting about today a little bit flyers who are red hot and the uh, sixers who are trying to get red hot and uh enjoy your weekend my friend you got a busy weekend ahead family and work and all that trying to re- balance those two things out
4: well I, I plan to be at the flyers game on saturday okay and uh you know maybe i'll maybe i'll see you at church on sunday
2: okay sounds good all right, well, enjoy your weekend, my friend. We'll catch up with you again soon. All okay, right, All right, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer, kind enough to hang out with us today. We'll take a quick break. Looking forward to bringing in Harry Lennox in just a couple of moments. He's been involved with uh, a lot of different things in media and movies, and he's the producer of uh, a new movie called Revival. Also... Just a quick reminder, we're handing out gift cards today to Panera and Duncan and Rita's and Wawa courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown. 610-500-DOVE. If you want to text in your name and where you're from, 610-500-3683. We've been drawing names throughout the hour. We'd love to draw yours, but we can't unless you give it to us. 610-500-3683. Text that for your chance to win a gift card with us here at WFIL. Back with more in just a moment.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. On AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. Sometimes I think you've got part of a brain. Thanks. Don't mention it. Get out
2: 60 WFL.com on the app at the apologetics or take off on the beach boys. Little deuce coop becomes little youth group. They have hundreds of songs like that. If you look them up online, apologetics.com, a P O L O G E T I X. It's four forty three. Thank you for tuning in today. He has been on the blacklist. They just got renewed for an eighth season, 150 episodes, the matrix movies, justice league series, and now producer, and co-star in a new movie called Revival, talking about Harry Lennox. How are you, sir?
5: I'm doing Tim. I'm doing well, Tim. I was even better until uh, your Flyers beat up on my Rangers uh, Sunday. <laughs>
2: I'm, re- I'm really sorry about that. That's <laughs> we- <Not> pretty. <laughs> well, are you a big sports
5: fan? I'm pretty big sports fan. I'm not as big as some of, some of the guys I know, but yeah, I like I love it. Yeah, yeah,
2: good diversion. I was wondering with all the all the work you do, if you actually have time to. to to delve into those things, or if if your work is so interesting that that's, you know, what you focus on primarily, so. uh, Yeah,
5: I I look at, uh, you know, I particularly look at later in the seasons when things are getting heated up.
2: Right, right. Well, it's coming soon. Uh, Well, it's great to talk with you. Obviously, folks know you. The co-star of NBC's The Blacklist, uh, Harold Cooper, and now the writer, and many other things, too. But the uh, most current thing, the writer, producer, and co-star of the new movie, Revival, I saw the trailer, it looked very interesting and lots lots going on and I thought maybe you could share a little bit of the backstory like you know how long it's been in the making and what was the thought process behind the creation of it and, and having it come to fruition?
5: Well, thank you for the opportunity to share uh, the journey it, it was a very interesting one. Uh, it started off as a church play we were doing a little Easter spectacle, and uh, it morphed into a a movie and the way that it went down is that um, I grew up in and as a Catholic, I studied to be a priest and all of these things. And then one day I, I went into a, a Baptist church and I heard this music that I thought was stunning. And then later, after I uh, became an actor in Hollywood and all of those things, I went to a church, a uh, Pentecostal church in Los Angeles, and was blown away by the kind of personal relationship the people in the congregation seemed to have with, with Jesus. It was like a, like they were friends with a bit a way. And they were creating this music which... which uh, which stirred me, and I couldn't quite put into words, and I thought, why not, why has there not been yet a narrative version of the life and ministry of Jesus uh, using this, this instrument, this great tool? And so uh, I, I sat down uh, with my partner, Dr. Holly Carter, and we came up with, uh, with this structure, which is basically taking the Gospel of John, the, the shortest of the Gospels, actually the second shortest, the book of Mark is, yeah. But this one has all kinds of crazy stuff, like The uh, Resurrection of Lazarus. That's unique to John. I thought that was very dramatic. I thought that The Wedding of Cana, where water is turned into wine, I thought that was very dramatic, very poetic book. And so with that music and that story, we thought that we could make a very unique uh, and very enriching cultural experience for anybody who loves that music, but also that speaks to the gospel, church, faith experience
2: of the African-American. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, why the Gospel of John rather than Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you know? But that's, you just kind of explained it there, so. Yep. Yeah. Chat with Harry Lennox from The Blacklist. Also, a number of other places you might know him from, including the Justice League series and some of the Matrix movies. And now, uh, a brand new film called Revival. Uh, You mentioned uh, growing up in the Catholic Church and also spending time visiting the Baptist Church and Pentecostal and... Uh, just as you think through those things, uh, how was the thought process between, you know, telling the story that you you bring out and the Bible itself as far as accuracy? And, you know, there's Jesus Christ Superstar, there's God Spell, there's things from over the years. What, what was the thought process about, about that uh, for you?
5: Well, when you go you, when you go into uh, my church, which is called New Antioch Church of God and Christ, by the way, for anybody who ever gets out to uh, the southwest side of Los Angeles, south central. Okay. Um you have to be accurate. And so I wanted, really, I went to the Vulgate, uh, the, the Latin version of the Catholic Bible, which is what I grew up on, cut my teeth on. Uh, studied Latin when I was in high school and all of these things, but I wanted to make sure that it was accurate. And so I did the translation myself. Um, but everything that's in the movie is explainable, defendable, uh, arguable, uh, that is, that I can, uh, it's in uh, the apologetics that is to say the explanation of things yeah. uh, that uh constitute the gospel or scripture i think is is very well thought out and so uh there's nothing in it that any christian anybody who considers themselves a traditional orthodox as it were yeah Uh, not the Eastern uh, church, but uh, there's nothing that they would disagree with.
2: Harry Lennox is our guest. Uh, He's been on many different things, Blacklist, Matrix movies, Justice League series, now producer and co-star in a new movie called Revival. Quick break. We'll come back, continue our chat. We also have a pun segment to shoehorn in on the back end, and 610-500-DOVE is our text line. In case you want to send a quick text for your chance to win a gift card, 610-500-3683. Just put your first and last name and where you're from, and we'll hopefully make a few more winners before the program's done. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the
1: WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com.
2: It's 451 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Harry Lennox, our guest from the Blacklist, Matrix movies, Justice League series, many other things, and now producer and co-star in a new movie called Revival, what was important to you when, when putting the film together when you, you know, as you're developing it and you step back from it at the end? Like, I wanted to make sure these things were in it, and, and yeah.
5: Well, I think, you know, Tim, it's very interesting. Uh, that's a, a great question because sometimes people just allow the language or the stories themselves to take precedence. They don't really worry about the production value. Never really in these kinds of movies because it's so epic can't tell a small Jesus Christ story, really, and do great honor or great uh, credit to the fullness of the story. Yeah. You could, but, uh, but we wanted to make sure it looked good and sounded good. And in order to pass the pass muster for any black Christian, really, that didn't grow up uh, you know, in a Catholic tradition like me, where you actually heard amazing music uh, from this culture, uh, it has to sound right. And so we were able to get uh, Donald Lawrence, who is a very celebrated gospel band leader and arranger, a guy by the name of Abdul Reginald Royal, who is a Broadway conductor but grew up in a Pentecostal church, Dr. Dr. Holly Carter, who is my partner in this. uh, She is the praise minister at our church, and then Molly Music, who grew up in the uh, Kojic church out in, I think, in Florida. Yeah. So, we, we had the bona fides uh, to, to, to match, I think, any kind of so- sonic experience uh, that is the best of the black uh, music expression of Christ.
2: Yeah, the real deal. Yeah, so- <laughs> the real deal. Right. <laughs> what was your biggest challenge putting this together? Money,
5: money, 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 money <laughs> uh, was, was a challenge. You know, it started off really, we just wanted to film a kind of stage spectacle and just sell it, you know, Uh, that is to say, put up a camera, uh, rent out a stage and do the play and have a couple of edits on it and get it out there. But we decided uh, that in order really to do great justice, if we're going to be in a movie theater, people are going to want to have something interesting to look at. And so we just opened up our imaginations in terms of what works well uh, in film and what works well on stage telling a story. For example, if you think about walking on water, it's yeah. a very difficult thing to, to film. How do you film that? You put a board in the middle of a, of a lake or something that people will be able to, you know, kind of discern that that's not a, a, a sea and a tempest. They would be able to know that somebody's walking on the... So how do you do that? Yeah. Did that actually happen? Did Jesus float on top of the water? So these kinds of things became very interesting to think about. What we decided to do in this case was to represent it poetically as a stage trick. That is, that aspect of the, of the new movie takes place as a performance on stage. So the way that we get into our stories is there's an actor in downtown Los Angeles going to do a play. On, en route to his performance, he has a real engagement with the story, the history, the life of Jesus Christ. And thereafter, he goes back and forth between performance and actual existence, actual reality. It's not diff- dissimilar. You mentioned The Matrix and you mentioned uh, a couple of other movies where we do that all the time. You know, when, you're in, when Neo is in Zion, it's right. in the real world. He doesn't have all those powers, except for if you saw the, uh, the third. <laughs> the right. third of it. But, uh Or in Alice in Wonderland where, or, or in The Wizard of Oz where there's a reality as it were, and then there's a hyper-reality. And so that must have been the duality of Jesus himself must have had something in common with that. When he was fully God, and he could do anything that he wanted to, walk on water, turn water to wine, heal the sick, all of these things, but then when he's on a cross and saying, why have you forsaken me? Or saying, you know, uh, why do you call me good? There's only one. That's a fully human thing to say. Yeah. So this is, like, uh, this is one of those great mysteries that uh, maybe performance, dramatization, is the only way to fully understand it. And so, uh, you know, we, we thought about this very, very deeply, not just uh, me and Holly, but all of our collaborators thought about how do we tell the story and make it interesting to look at, true to the actual literature and scripture, uh, but, but something that will resonate uh, for years to come.
2: Well, it's been a real pleasure hearing your take on all of this. Thank you so much. I know you have a lot of folks to talk to. It's a privilege to do that, and we'll be glad to let folks know about Revival. God bless you, Harry. Thanks so much again. Thank you, Tom. God bless you, too. All right. That's Harry Lennox from the Blacklist, Matrix series, Justice League series, and now producer and co-star in the new movie, Revival. Uh, As we wrap up, we have just enough time for our pun segment. But first, Danny, let's make a couple of text line winners. Who do we got?
3: All right. We got May from Jenkintown. Okay. And Bob from Philadelphia.
2: Congratulations to both of them. We'll grab my a gift card courtesy of or Chevrolet in Jenkintown. And now, just enough time to slip in (laughs) a lovely
3: cap to the week.
2: All right. Now that's punny segment. Danny, are you ready? Are you ready? I was born ready.
3: All right. Hey, Tim, do you need an arc? Do I need an arc? Nah, uh, I'm on a day like today, perhaps. Because I happen to know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: time sensitively appropriate. Thank you.
3: Why was the clock always getting sick?
2: Why was the clock always getting sick? I don't know.
3: Because its hands were constantly touching his face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Another coronavirus joke. We yeah. slip that in.
3: What did one plate say to the other?
2: What did one plate say to the other? I don't know.
3: Lunch is on me. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Tip your waitress. Enjoy the veal. We'll be here all weekend. <laughs> what else you got?
3: What did the duck say when she bought a lipstick?
2: What did the duck say when she bought a lipstick? I don't know.
3: Put it on my bill. Oh. <laughs>
2: Not bad, actually, but I like the crickets one. All right, go ahead.
3: What did Jay-Z call Beyonce before he got married?
2: What did Jay-Z call Beyonce before he got married? I don't know.
3: Fiance. What would you do with a brain if you <laughs> had one? I loved that one. <laughs> All
2: right. That's not bad, actually. What okay.
3: detergents do mermaids use?
2: What detergents do mermaids use? I don't know. Tide. <laughs> And on that note, we wrap up our Now That Funny segment. Thanks for listening in. Danny, have a great weekend. You too. And everyone listening, the same thing. We look forward to doing it again on Monday. Pastor Paul Shepherd's joining us. We have Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs joining us next week. Folks from Cross International too. Jim Maxim, Acts 4, 13 Ministries leads in prayer next. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com